0: Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair, and to get 20% off your order, use code CLUTTERFREE. Again, that's ActiveSkinRepair.com and use code CLUTTERFREE to get 20% off your order. Well, hey there, friend. Welcome back to the show. I'm Deanna Yates, and you are listening to episode 173 of the Wannabe Clutter-Free Podcast. On today's episode, I am chatting with Adrian Bishop, a coach for high-sensitive parents and kids, about getting more buy-in and help around the house. It's a good one, and Adrian and I really connected on this topic. In fact, it takes a bit of a twist, and it was exactly what I needed in my life when we recorded it. So I hope you will find it as helpful and transformative as I did. But before we get into our conversation, I want to say thank you for joining me today. I am so grateful that you are here and I hope you walk away uh, from today's show with some actionable ideas for your life and a new perspective maybe on how to handle some of the stuff that we have in our lives with our physical things, with our loved ones, with our relationships. And so I just hope that it will inspire you into taking action. And if you enjoy what you hear, can you please do me a favor and leave a rating and a review for this show? You can rate the show on most podcast listening apps, but you can also leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can leave a comment on a specific episode in Spotify, or you can even comment on YouTube for these newer guest episodes. And that is what Katie did recently, and I want to share her review. And I quote, thank you, five stars. I don't normally leave reviews on podcasts, but I wanted to give a big thank you to Deanna for being so genuine and insightful. In her recent Mind Shift episode, she opened up about having to declutter items from an old business venture in order to make physical and mental room for new ideas and passions. This greatly resonated with me and gave me the boost I needed to clean out my old clothing reseller Poshmark closet uh, to make room for my watercolor business. This built the momentum and I was able to finish setting up my art studio, even though it was a challenge, saying goodbye to those items. I feel like a weight has been lifted and I can focus on what I am truly passionate about. Thank you so much, Katie Hoover from Frankie Baby Art, end quote. Well, Katie, I am so honored to be part of your journey, and I'm just so happy that I could encourage you to take that big leap of faith and let go of the past while embracing your future. And so for those of you listening, Katie also shared an image of her art studio on Instagram with me, and it is gorgeous. So please go ahead and if you are into that sort of thing, if you're into art and watercolor or the reveal of her art studio, check her out. She's on Instagram at Frankie Baby Art. And I would love if you are listening to this and you could also take a minute to rate and review the show. Give it a shout out. Your reviews are what help me reach more listeners and get more amazing guests on this show for you to learn from. So thank you so much. And speaking of amazing guests, let's learn a little bit more about mine. Adrienne Bishop is a life coach for parents with highly sensitive children. She is also a certified positive discipline parent educator specializing in helping highly sensitive moms manage overwhelm and anxiety and learn how to let go, feel calm and confident and be more effective in their parenting. She helps both parents and children understand and regulate their nervous systems using somatic tools, hypnosis, and tapping, while enabling parents to change their perception of what's happening with their kids. She has a Facebook group called Calm Confident Parenting where people can learn more about her work. So give this episode a listen, and when you're done, head over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash 173. To get the show notes for today's episode with links to Adrienne's website resources and her Facebook community. Again, you can find it all at wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 173. And now let's get to our conversation. All right, Adrian, Well, welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for your patience. We had a little bit of technical difficulties coming into today. So I uh, just thank you for being patient as we started that. And so I know today is going to be good because you are just rolling with the flow. And uh, so this is going to be a really great conversation. So uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So can you start by introducing yourself um, and telling us how you help busy families?
1: Sure. So I am a life coach for highly sensitive families. So those are families that have moms or dads that are highly sensitive and also children. And typically that happens frequently because it's a genetic personality sort of trait. And if you wanted me to talk a little bit about what that means, I can, but I can kind of make it very simple. A lot of people that are highly sensitive tend to have a sensitive nervous system. So emotions are bigger Um, more intense. And then a lot of times there's physical sensitivities that go along with it too, like picky eating and clothing that bothers kids. And, you know, it's just a little bit more of a emotional situation to deal with as a parent. So sometimes having tools and having ways to manage your own emotions can be really, really beneficial. So I focus on that group because that's who I am, that's who my kids are. And I think uh, it's a really fun, you know, a fun way to coach. I really enjoy that you
0: know, that group of people. Nice. Okay. So is that something that would be diagnosed per se? Yeah. Let's dive into that a little bit more about what highly sensitive means. Cause I've always felt like our daughter was pretty sensitive. She's very particular for a few things. And so I do wonder, is that something that has to be diagnosed or is it just something that you as a parent might notice as well?
1: Yeah, it's not a disorder, so it doesn't get diagnosed. There's no you know, there's nothing you need to do to really figure that out outside of the fact okay. that there's a test that you can take online based in the book that was written by Elaine Aaron. She's the one that did the research in the 90s on what high sensitivity was. Basically what it is, it's a personality trait. Okay. So it's sort of like introvert, extrovert, those kinds of things. You can have comorbidities with like ADD and um, autism because you see kind of that's like the more extreme version of being sensitive, but you can just lay right into I'm just highly sensitive And that basically is a combination of traits that you kind of want to say like, oh, you know, either she's strongly and, you know, physically sensitive. So that's like a really, really big deal. Or like there's a strong emotional component or there's like a bunch of different little things. Like, And each kid's very different, which is hard to describe. But the way that Elaine Aaron describes it is with the acronym does. So D means deep thinking, depth of processing. So these are kids that are like, They take a little bit of time to respond sometimes, or they think really deeply about things. There can be overthinking. Anxiety tends to be a big um, component of kids that are highly sensitive. Um, But then I have a kid that takes a little while to respond because he's so in his head, which can also look like ADHD, but it's not in this case. And then the O is overstimulation over arousal. So you'll see that as in their nervous system gets overstimulated very easily, big parties, Doing too much in a day, not having downtime, not being able to decompress, you know, it's almost like their body shuts down and you'll see meltdowns. You'll see lots of behavior issues when you're not paying attention to, are they having that balance of decompression and activity? And then the E is empathy. So high levels of empathy, very empathetic kids and parents, which again, causes challenges because we're so wrapped up in our kids' emotions that it can be really hard, but also empath comes from that. Word that part of the trait, and then the S is sensory processing sensitivity. So there's no there's no disorder here, but it's just more about like that's where the picky eating comes from. So your five senses, like bright lights really bother you, like really, like you get that's what kind of triggers over overstimulation, loud noises. Like my kids really struggle to be in like a a concert or a baseball game or a big party, like parties with lots of kids, Dave and Buster's, Urban Air, that kind of stuff can be hard for some of the kids that are sensitive. And then also like physical sensitivities, like taste, you know, tics, textures makes them pickier. Also clothing like tags. They don't like tight clothes. They don't like anything that rubs them. Weird or, you know, that kind of thing. So, or socks, seams and socks, that kind of stuff. So if you if you see, if you see those telltale signs, it's pretty clear, but then there's other mm-hmm. ones that are a little more nebulous, but that's kind of the summary quickly. The
0: socks. I'm hearing the socks. <laughs> Uh, yeah we have a very yeah the our daughter wears knee high socks high top shoes doesn't like low tops a lot of this is sounding familiar it's interesting because I feel like maybe we had done a lot of the stuff to combat it without really knowing we were doing a lot of the stuff to combat it but there are it's definitely still there like we went out uh, this summer we went up to LA and it was really busy and she was just kind of like I don't like downtown like I don't like cities like all of a sudden was just like I don't like this at all and I was like oh interesting which is good because we moved from Chicago where we were going to live downtown so she would have been a total city kid and so perhaps we have inadvertently you know tapped into doing some of the things we should have been doing all along without really understanding why we were doing it so Gosh, this is going to take a slightly different turn than I was anticipating uh, <laughs> today. We were going to talk about getting kids to help around the house, which I still want to do. But let's talk a little bit more about what are ways we can help our children then if we're listening to this going, this is really resonating with our home. So where do we start? What, what do we do? Yeah. yeah. So if you just take kind of
1: in general highly sensitive kids. Remember, every kid has a different set of these traits. But again, sure. the biggest thing is really paying attention to their need for downtime and helping them to find balance there. Because a lot of times, especially in this like super busy, extroverted culture, that can be really easy to just keep pushing through. And then you're going to see behaviors and you're, and it might not connect in your minds. Like, oh, I didn't allow for the decompression, or I scheduled too many things, or one of the things is is like the, the anxiety comes from not knowing what's going to happen throughout the day, or you know what the next step is. So really prepping them and giving them some onus and like choice. Hey, like I say to my my son who's almost ten, I say, hey but this is like we have soccer at this time. I know you probably want to play with your friend. How much downtime do you need? Can we add in another activity? Can we do this thing too? And I really try to talk him through what he thinks would be a good appropriate for him. And by the time like he's 9 now so he, and we've talked yeah. a lot about downtime. We've talked a lot about what it you know what it takes to feel like you're rejuvenated for him. And so he's now used to that. So it's really good to kind of talk through that with your kids. Make sure they're aware like uh, number one if you're highly sensitive, like 100%, nothing has gone wrong. And in fact, a lot of things have gone right. So we really, like my biggest thing when I coach people is helping kids to understand that their emotions are normal. They are normal. If they feel intensely, that's okay. Like we just want to really normalize pretty much everything that's going on for them. And it can be really easy to get triggered by some of the things that are happening. Because like I said, there can be more anxiety, which leads to sometimes kids get angry or they get they start to yell or have a lot of emotional reactions to things because they're anxious So we really need to pay attention to are they anxious like is that really what's going on underneath some of these behaviors we want to make sure that that's something we keep in the front of our mind because it's easy to get triggered by meltdowns and kids that are like yelling back at you because they're really anxious or shutting down like that's one of the things that my son does is that he'll shut down instead of talk to me and so really coaching the parents through what's happening underneath some of these behaviors and how you can sort of remain neutral around them so you're not taking things personally and getting really emotional when these things happen because the more you can stay regulated, the more your kids stay regulated. So that's really big for me too in my practice is making sure that my clients know how to regulate their own nervous systems because then that influences their children's nervous system regulation. So yeah, that's kind of Hmm. a quick summary.
0: No, and it's fascinating because as you're saying it, I mean, so much is resonating. Actually, um, it's very interesting. Like our daughter, I remember when she was, you know, a, a baby. Well, like as she transitioned to her one nap, right? She was such a great napper, you know. And she likes quiet. She likes downtime. She likes a lot of that. So it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. listening to you talk about this and kind of having this aha moment and i'm feeling a little crazy about it because she's 10 although i feel like we've done a lot like so that's why i'm saying like i feel like we've done a lot of the things without really understanding why or what that yeah, underlying sure. um process was but i will be fascinated to kind of dig into that book and read and really feel like maybe uh, i'll have a few yeah. more tools at my disposal so this is i'm really excited about what's the book called i want to make sure we link to it it's, yeah it's
1: called the highly sensitive child by elaine aaron yeah. Okay. Yeah, And I mean, a lot of times, that. like if you're in tune to your kid, just like you seem to be, you will do some of these things naturally, which is awesome. You know, we don't need to have the label, but it does help <laughs> when you're like, yeah. why is this happening in my life, but not in other people's? Or why am I not seeing this all the time consistently? So it's just nice to have like that information mm-hmm. in your back pocket to be like, oh, this is why it's happening and it's totally okay. And so it's nice to have the book and just read through yeah. it and get that validation for yourself.
0: Well, and one of the things we're kind of getting into is advocating for yourself, right? So now that she's getting a little bit older and a little bit more independent, I want to make sure that she will advocate for herself and not get quote unquote walked on, right? Are there tools or strategies that uh, you help parents with on that end of like,
1: Mm -hmm. these children
0: (laughs) self-advocate? It's really hard
1: for highly sensitive kids to self-advocate because first yeah. of all, they get messages that they're not supposed to be the way they are. Then they get messages. Mm. Then they also are already typically slow to warm up or shy, yes. right? A lot of them are introverted. I think there's like 85% are introverted. There are extroverted, highly sensitive people. So you're going to have already have that kind of not playing against you, but you know what I mean? It's already going to be difficult. But I think the, the best thing to do is to, number one, raise their confidence at home in any way you possibly can, which is make sure that they, they are validated in everything that they feel, they're supported, they're understood, they're trusted, and that they're doing things that can sort of build on their creativity or whatever they're good at. We want to keep them trying new things, you know, doing things that might be new and just making sure that they're not necessarily avoiding situations because of the anxiety, but we're slowly kind of introducing them to situations that might be beneficial and just kind of also The the second thing is making sure that we are advocating for ourselves in our lives. They will definitely see that and pick up that way quicker than you kind of telling them, hey, you got to speak up. You got to make sure you say what's going on or what you need. Really making sure that you're making that a
0: part of your life also so that they can witness it. Perfect transition to my next question, which is... (laughs) Helping uh, getting help around the house, right? I feel like as moms for better or for worse. I know this is an area that a lot of us are working on. We take on way too much responsibility, do way too much at home. My hand is raised over here. I definitely am one of those people that takes on a lot. Um, in fact, I just advocated for myself this morning and bowed out of a volunteer thing that I had signed myself up for because I realized there was way too much on my plate and I'm feeling really strapped. So I did do that this morning. I'm very proud of myself. It was difficult, (laughs) but that's not something I I, I can tell her about that, but that's not something she's going to see. So I think maybe helping around the house is a way that we can show our children that we need help. And we're Mm going to ask for that help that we need. We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors that so generously enable us to bring you this show. And when we come back, we will dive into the topic of chores and getting our kids to help out more around the house without fights, nagging or pushback. You know how life doesn't stick to a schedule? Well, why should your paycheck? That's where Earn In comes in. It's an app that lets you access the money you've earned right when you need it, not just on payday. When you download the Earnin app, type in Clutter under podcast when you sign up. It'll really help out the show. That's Clutter under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max and location. See earnin.com/tos for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. So talk us through that, because this is a good transition into what I had originally wanted to talk about, which was getting kids to help with chores.
1: <laughs> yes. So that is a really good point, because the more that we're doing for our kids, like over to an extent and the, the, the less we ask for help that really does kind of translate to, oh, mom's just going to take care of all of it. And that's just her job and her responsibility, or, you know, even sometimes dads are like that. So like, we really want to pay attention to, are we doing something that we don't need to be doing for our kids? And I have to say, this is a side kind of concept, but there are some kids that just take longer to do tasks on their own than others. And nothing has gone wrong when that is the case. So you don't always want to think age, you want to think personality. So one of the other tools i like to use is temperament. so there's two different kinds of temperament. oh there's four temperaments but two um two sides of w- of one of the of the temperaments are task oriented and people oriented. so if you have a people oriented kid they are not going to do chores on their own probably for a very long time. if you have a task oriented kid who is already organized loves to Make her room meet or pick out her clothes in a particular way, or maybe he loves finished tasks like cooking like likes to get to the end of things like like feels accomplished. If you have a kid like that, they're gonna naturally do do chores much more easily. You're gonna get them to cooperate without a problem. If you notice your kid is complaining or wanting you to do it with them or doing it for them or you know sort of in that mode, you might have a people oriented kid and there's nothing that has gone wrong and so I really, really like to take that into account when I coach my clients. Like, is this your kid's temperament? Because I always hear from them, like, they can totally do it. Like, why do I have to help them? Why do I have to go upstairs and help them get dressed? Like, they're eight. They should know how to do this. I'm like, yes. Physically and, you know, logically, they know how to get dressed. But there is no joy in it for them if there isn't a person involved. There is no motivation unless there's a person involved. So one of the things I recommend is just help them as much as you feel like you can slash they need. And so you can always just be in the room with them. You don't have to always be doing the task with them. But, you know, at one, at some point you might have to like, hey, do you want me to tie one shoe and you tie the other? You know what I mean? Like that is okay. And so sometimes I like to get permission to my clients to be able to do that for their kids because they're, if they're seeing complete pushback from that type of kid where they'll just refuse. Like my son, he's almost 10. He refuses to go upstairs on his own for bedtime. And I know it's because he's a people-oriented temperament. He doesn't have the motivation unless there's a reason to have a relationship or connect through it. So he'll do a task, but only if those two things are part of it. So we wanna keep that in mind because if you have a task-oriented kid, you're probably not gonna have too much trouble getting them to help out, but you do still for both, I love the idea of just sort of flipping things into routine, right? And you, you we did talk mm-hmm. about that when you emailed me about the routine idea. Yeah. Um, I don't like to be super rigid. I feel like <laughs> for me as a personality, I am not a type A by any means. I'm much more like a flexible, I have routines, but they are much more like chunks of time instead of everything has to get done at this exact time. But what we do is we have times where these chores get done and that really helps with just like, there doesn't need to be nagging. There doesn't need to be repeating yourself because this is just when we all do these chores or this is when this gets done. And this is when right before, right after dinner, this chore gets done every single time. And so the more that takes a while though, we have to get them used to the habit of doing them in those times, but it does make a big difference and you can use that as a way to kind of motivate the kids and like I said if you have people or anti kids do your chore with them right everybody does chores at once everybody does something together so that's also really helpful but I think really paying attention to how your kid operates and then also giving them choice so discussing it with them the night we're starting to add some chores to your you know to your week what appeals to you would you rather do vacuuming or sweeping would you rather set the table or clean up the table And then really getting them on board by asking them what they'd like to do, because some chores just are a lot more awful for some kids and a lot more fun. Some chores are more fun for them. So obviously that would help if they're interested in it or they're okay with it. Right. They might not be excited about it, but they might be okay with it. And then of course you want to reassess, is this working for my kid? Do they still like it? Should we switch it to something else? Are they getting older and they can do something more intense? But yeah, so just kind of checking yourself around your kid's personality, what they like, that temperament piece, and then adding it into after dinner, we all do this, or before we go to school, we all do this, or when we get home from school, this happens. So just giving yourself like three big chunks of the day to get a few things done.
0: Hmm, I love that. And he worked in the choice too. So many things there that were fantastic. I really loved the we aspect that you said, because I feel like that is our home. Like you are describing my home. Like I'm like, oh my gosh, my mind is being blown. I always thought her love language was touch, which I still think it is. But I think it's more that people oriented temperament of wanting to be around me all the time. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. so yeah that is a beautiful shift in my mind and now being able to say like it's not that she doesn't want to do it it's not that she can't do it obviously she can and I know she can but she is not task oriented she is people oriented and as an only child as well she doesn't have any buddies to come along with her, right? There's no, if we had a second one, she could have a buddy. They're getting ready for bed together. Or she is, she does at this point, like, okay, it's time to go get ready for bed. She'll go brush her teeth and do all that stuff. But we still have a very people-oriented, family-oriented, goodnight routine.
1: Yeah. And what you'll see in yeah. a people-oriented kid is you'll do things with them For a very for a while, and then all of a sudden they'll start doing things on their own because that Uh. motivation has shifted for them where they're like, "Okay, I can do this without somebody around." Like something clicks where they don't need that motivator anymore. Sometimes, as long as I'm like on the same floor, we're good. You know, so like keep this
0: in mind. (laughs) Yeah, it does progressively get a little easier. Okay, so again. This is fascinating, and I am loving the perspective shifts that I am having, and I want to talk about routines. You talked about having like three chunks of routines and not being super rigid. I love that. I have learned over time that I can't be rigid in my own life as well, just because I then get behind. I feel like I'm a failure. I start to just like guilt trip myself. So I have opened up to more of a like, these are the tasks I need to do this week, here are the five that really help me every day and they're not giant big tasks. They're like, keep clean, you know, resetting the kitchen and making sure that's ready to go because we, we're home all day. My husband and I both work from home. So there's three meals a day happening in that kitchen, making the beds, just little things like that, making sure I check my calendar and I know what's coming up for the day. So anyway, I have like five things that I do every day. And then I have seven things that are like the major tasks around the house that if I can get them done, if I do one a day, fantastic. That makes my weekend much easier. But if things came up and life got busy, we had an extra practice, we had an extra play date, whatever things came up, it's not a big deal. And I can catch up later on in the week. So oh. that's been helping me. But how can we help? You know, I want to hear your routine of like this, these chunks of time. I'm curious. What do, what does that entail?
1: Yes so before school we clearly have like getting ready for school making the bed we just and i just literally i let them just pull their cover up like we don't need totally. to do anything more and then they they obviously like pick up all the kitchen needs to be in the dishwasher the kitchen needs to be reset so it's, it's a very basic you know morning routine that pretty much everybody would have, would have imagined. we don't do any extra chores because there's just not a lot of time and then after school, there's the putting the book bags away. We put the lunch boxes on the on the counter. We empty the lunch boxes, put it away, put any folders that we need to like look at out, and then we prepare snacks. So that's not a super heavy chore moment either. After dinner, we do the like the daily chores. Like my son sweeps. Um, my daughter, she's the one that sets the table. She helps cook. Um, so we do a lot of those more. And then my son will help clean up. So we do, we, each of them have like a dinner oriented chore. And then we do, well, I guess the sweeping isn't necessarily dinner oriented, but, and then after that, we will all the toys picked up in just the the living room and the dining room. So it's just making sure those two rooms are cleaned up. I let my daughter do her room when she feels she's 12. She was actually turned 13 today, but she's, I just let her, yeah, I just let her do, she's a task oriented kid. So it's a different approach. I let her clean when she's ready. It happens probably once a week. I'm happy with that. It's fine. My boys, again, they still need a lot of help, and they're nine and six. So we do we do cleaning up the room sort of together once a week, and it's much more laid back. Like it's not this big, has to be perfect kind of situation. When it comes to the weekends, we have weekly chores. So those are my three times of the day. So it's almost like a reset, like you said. It's exactly like that at the end of the day. The house is reset at, you know, in in the mornings and then at night. So the weekends have, like my daughter does recycling, my son does the garbage. um, And then we do some of the other chores sort of together, like the vacuuming and the, the bathrooms and things like that. We do those things together on the weekends. And we try to make it more of like a, again, it's a, everybody's doing their chore at the same time. It just seems to be more motivating that way. And like you said, if like, It doesn't get done on Saturday, maybe we can move it to Sunday, being a little more flexible around that. But there isn't really
0: like a specific weekend time, depends on what we're doing. Great, that sounds very nice. I noticed I didn't hear mention of your partner or your husband on that list.
1: (laughs) He's really (laughs) on top of all of it. (laughs) Okay, just checking. He's a part of everything. My husband (laughs) cleans up, he does pretty much all of the kitchen. So if I cook, he cleans the kitchen if he cooks, I clean the kitchen. He's yeah, he's way, way, way more on top of things than, than I would say a lot of people are. So yes, that is a good point. I didn't think about I, that. I just wanted but to yeah. make
0: sure because I didn't know the situation. <laughs> just wanted to ask for those listening. They might have noticed that as well. So thank you for answering it. <laughs> I'm happy to hear Talk what about the he kids. on top of it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I did ask about the kids. That's true. And he's really great with all the chores. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, Okay. So you were saying uh, you kind of mentioned the ages of your kids and you were saying you don't dole out chores based on age, which I think is a very normal approach. So how did you determine what chores that your children do? How do you determine that then?
1: Yeah. So I take into account sort of their capabilities. Each kid again is always in a different place, no matter what their age is. My six-year-old can do more than my nine-year-old at six. You know what I mean? Like when, when, right, I, right. when my nine year old was six, was six, my yeah. six-year-old can do more than that. And also my daughter could too, because they're both task-oriented kids. So I'm able to hmm. give them a little bit more. And then, of course, my six-year-old, <laughs> he's in this mode of you know, play, play, play. So he's not gonna want to do as much all the time. So I try to kind of intersperse it much less frequently so that he has more play time. Uh, my older two are more willing, so I just kind of base it on their personalities, we talk it through and we say. Oh, my daughter also mows the lawn every week. So that's clearly an older kid job, right? (laughs) You're not going to like get a younger kid to do that because it's dangerous. But I do want to say we do give her a little extra money for that because it is a little higher of a stake, more intense job. Most of the other things, though, are not connected to allowance. So it depends. Like she also babysits, which I don't think is a chore necessarily, but that is something that she also gets a little extra money for. But everything else is just contributing to the household. But it really just depends on like the season of the kid's life. How are, like if they resist completely every single chore, we're going to give them something small that they feel like they can do and you don't have to fight them over constantly. Like just bring your plate to the sink. Bring your plate to the sink. Next, next week, we're going to put it in the dishwasher. That's my six-year-old. He's just like resisting all of the kitchen chores. So I'm just like, all right, we'll just we'll take it over there. We'll take, we'll take the plate. We'll help you. We'll help you get it out. And then he, then he cleans up his toys. So those are like his major, his major chores. And then anything he, every they'll pull apart the couch every single day. So that needs to clean up stuff like that. (laughs) But, you know, in general, he, he has less of like the household chores. He just takes care of his stuff. My nine-year-old has more household chores and more, you know, takes care of his stuff too. And then my, my 13 year old she can do a lot more heavy lifting. Cause again, she's task oriented and she's older and she's already just like naturally responsible. So hmm. I kind of mix it up based on those different ideas. Makes okay, sense.
0: Perfect, yeah, take those four things that we talked about earlier and kind of figure out what fits with the you know, ebbs and flows with that. Great, okay, my next question is about allowance. So you kind of mentioned it. How do you guys handle allowance? I'm always curious.
1: Yeah, so we give our kids a certain amount of money every week, but we don't change it based on how much they do or don't do. So it's more of like a money budgeting system. So they get money to work toward figuring out how to spend it, save it, budget it, because it's super helpful to have them have a little bit of money as opposed to just saying no all the time to everything they want. And I want them to be able to be like, oh, I spent my money on this. That was a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. Or I spent my money in this and I'm so glad I saved up for it. So I want them to have like a relationship with money that's kind of apart from a chore-based system. And again, my philosophy that I teach in my coaching is positive discipline and it comes from that. So they call it family contributions. So chores are family contributions. And then the money aspect is separate like I said, in that philosophy. So I love the way it works because you're not like having to keep track and calculate. And like I said, I have extra chores that give extra money, but other than that, it's not based in a dollar for this, 50 cents for this, and then we have to go through and check everything off. It's more about, listen, like we're a family and we all do things together, we all help each other. And I think just kind of, it takes more time in, you know, in this short term, it takes a little more time if you're thinking about getting them to be motivated. But in the long term, it's way more effective. They just have the motivation of I do this because it's my house and I care about it and I care about my family. And so that ends up being a really good motivator in the long term.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm a big fan of that. Doing the things that aren't necessarily super easy right now in order to have those long-term gains for sure. So uh, yeah, that sounds similar to how we do things in our home at the moment as well. Our daughter has a jewelry business, so she actually makes quite a lot of money from that with a neighbor kid. And they stand out and sell the jewelry that they have made, which I love. Awesome. She also gets an allowance, but I'm always shocked at how much money they come home with on Sundays, which I'm standing out there with them. So I see everybody come by the things. So I don't know why I'm so <laughs> surprised, but... It is it's still cute. It's really cute to see them kind of get motivated. So I'm all about, yeah, what extra things can you do and and things like that too. But yeah, I agree kind of that contribution. I like that that idea because it, it and it is a tricky line. I get it, right? Because it's like you kind of want to teach them like you do a job, you get money, but this is our home and there's going to be a lot of things we don't get paid for. We just have to do it because we're part of this just That's just how it goes, right? We're part of a family and and we work together to make things better for all of us in here. So yeah, I'm a big fan. Let's take one more quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk about making chores more fun. So stick around because you won't want to miss it. Feel like you're the martyr in your family. Okay, let's talk about making chores fun. We had mentioned something about that a little bit earlier, but we didn't really dive into it. Do you have any stories from your home on how you make chores fun or how your client, how you recommend your clients make things more fun for, you know, not just the kids, but for the parents too? Because nobody really wants to do chores, let's be honest.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the biggest one is like, again, the the doing it together and then you can talk while you're doing it and that kind of thing. So that always makes it more fun. And then of course there's like there's like the, the obvious answers like music where you can kind of have like this more dance party celebratory feeling around it just kind of helping kids to feel like it's not this like drudgery all the time but I also like breaking it up like I just like to break up the the different tasks so it's not like you're doing three hours of chores it's like you know 20 minutes here 20 minutes there and then also yeah I think I think just the togetherness is my biggest one when it comes to making chores fun and I also like to I think the the feeling of accomplishment not it's really fun, but it does give you that that dopamine hit. Right. So you're just like yeah. really trying to encourage and recognize the effort. And, you know, you did it like I love that. Like you did it. And it's really <laughs> nice to have that accomplishment feeling at the end. So I think that's also really helpful.
0: Yeah. We still sing the Dora the Explorer song. We did it. Lo, asimos. Do do do. But we still sing that <laughs> every time. I mean, my God, she's 10 now. We haven't watched. We even like said something about Dora the other day. I don't know why this is coming up right now. But we were trying to name a fox or something. And we were like, name it Swiper. And she's like, huh? And I was just like, <laughs> I'm blown away that we spent hours upon hours watching, singing, all of the things on that show. And you have no recollection of it whatsoever. I'm That's always flabbergasted when that happens. So you never know what they're going to remember and what they don't.
1: That's hysterical. Oh, my gosh. I love it.
0: <laughs> <sighs> like, literally, that happened this week. That's so funny. Okay. So how do we start this conversation? If we have never done this or we have tried and it we've failed and, you know, we're, like, just at the point where we are, as moms, overwhelmed and frustrated and we want to get everyone on board. And obviously, we can't approach it from that perspective because... You never get people to join you when you're coming from a place of anger. How do we start? Where do we go?
1: Yeah. So there also is this really cool idea with positive discipline that they call family meetings, (laughs) um, which is not like a, you know, it makes sense. You have a meeting with your family, nothing crazy. But what we do is we add in like an agenda and the first part of the meeting is actually just fun. So it's either a board game or it's some sort of connecting activity activity. Um, And so you get them used to these meetings just by having fun. Then the next week you add in, after the fun part, um, a little bit of an agenda. So it's one problem, one question, one issue. So what if, you know, like after you have your little board game and you're connected, you say, hey, guys, I'd really like everybody to pick one chore that they can contribute this week and we'll see how it goes. And next Sunday or next whatever week from now, we'll talk through how it went. And then we also wanna pick when it's happening. Like, when are you gonna do this chore? How are you gonna remember? Do you need me to remind you? Can we set an alarm on Alexa? Can we write you a note? So one of the things that I love about positive discipline also is that there's about six different tools you can use to remind your kids to do chores that are not do the chore. You know, it's like, I see the backpack on the floor, backpacks go in the closet. What do we need to do with backpacks? when you get home. Like there's a whole bunch of tools you can use instead of just repeating yourself 25,000 times in the same way. That's also really, really helpful, especially if they need your help to remind them, which they will. And it's okay. It is 100% okay. This is something you're focused on because it's part of your life, big part of your life. Your house is a huge part of your life. It is not a big part of theirs. They don't have the interest in it. Like there is very little bit of caring happening. So we need to make it so that it's easier for them to, to do it. So at first, reminders are helpful. Of course, you probably can need only to remind them once, and you know once it's in the routine and they're fine. But in the beginning, it does take a little bit of planning that you're going to need to be involved. So that's why I say one chore. Just take, make it so simple that the habit doesn't need to be formed immediately for it to happen. We can just, everybody takes their one chore, Maybe it's a daily chore, maybe it's a weekly chore, and we just focus on that. And for me, like charts and all that does not work. If it does for you, go for it. <laughs> I do not even write them down. They're just sort of the chores we have and you know we remember them and it works out fine. But it, you really have to really figure out what works with my personality. Am I a type that likes lists? Do I work with ch- charts? Do I like really, really structured routines? Or am I much more flexible with that? you know, I never even make to-do lists for my own life, which is just my personality. So I would never make one for chores for my kids because I wouldn't be able to sustain it. So that's, these are the kind of things that make you more likely for it to not work out is if you're going against your personality and your kid's personality, which is why I talked about temperament. And it takes some time to really figure that out, but you probably have more knowledge about what might work than you think. And I just say, don't, One small problem at a time, right? Don't take the whole thing as in we need 25 different chores organized and each person needs to take a certain amount and we need to do it in the first week. No, just make it very simple and take one per kid or one per person that we're all focusing on. And then, like I said, have the meeting the next week, if that works for you guys, either over dinner or just something casual and say, hey, how'd it go this week with the chores? Did we get them done? Do we need more reminders? Did the reminders not work for you? What can we change it to? Should we switch your chore to something else? And so just kind of making it this more open, collaborative process.
0: I love the questions because I feel like that then empowers them to take ownership and feel like, oh, I have a say in this process versus mom and dad are just barking orders at me and telling me what to do, which then makes me feel like they would be more on board with doing Mm -hmm. said things. Exactly. You got it. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, again, the questions, uh, all the things to remember.
3: (laughs) One thing, Um, one small step.
0: Yeah. (laughs) One small step at a time. Just do better next week than you did the week before. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So how do you recommend maintaining consistency? So if I am someone who feels like I have a lot on my plate and so it's hard to remember all the things. And then Saturday morning rolls around and I'm tired from the week. I'm totally, you know, I'm, I'm tired. I don't want to do anything. I just want to lounge around too. How do we then have that consistency to be the person that's like, okay, it's time for the family meeting. Okay. It's time to do our chores together. Okay. What are the reminders and ways we can keep ourselves on track?
1: So I like to say consistency is experimenting. Hmm. I don't like to put the pressure on people to be consistent in the way that we think of it as the same thing every day or the same thing every week. Some people thrive that way, and that's awesome. But I feel like if you have a Saturday where you're like, I just need to rest a little bit and something doesn't get done the way you had maybe had planned, make your time block bigger. My time block is Saturday morning to Sunday night, maybe so that you have a little more of that leeway and wiggle room and you're not going to like, feel like you messed up or you failed. We, we want to make it so that I'm experimenting. I'm seeing what works for us. And then we analyze or review or evaluate. That's it. That's your consistency. As long as you are doing those two things, you're going to figure it out and you're going to, you know, have success and the way that you define it.
0: Love that. Consistency is experimenting. Very fun. Very cool. Totally doable. Well, Mm -hmm. I mean, this has been wonderful. Oh my gosh. I feel like this turned into more of a therapy session for myself. Um, I'm (laughs) sure everyone listening is uh, getting a lot out of it, but I really appreciate it. It was eye-opening. I thought we were going to go in one direction. We got back there eventually to the chores, but I am really happy that uh, we had this conversation today because I think there are some, some really great insights that I myself, I'm going to be able to implement in our home. And I know uh, the Mm -hmm. listeners are as well. So thanks, Adrienne. I really appreciate it. Of course. Um, Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, tell people where they can find you because now that they've listened to all this wonderful advice, I'm sure they're going to want to follow up, follow you on Instagram, get your freebie. Let's talk about that stuff. Yeah. So I'm on Instagram at Adrienne Bishop
1: coaching. So Adrienne is A-D-R-I-E-N-N-E. And then I also have a freebie. If you feel like your kid might be highly sensitive and you want a little more insight onto how to work with them, I actually think I have very different things in the freebie than I talked about today. Yes, it's different. It's a, it's like an 18-minute video. It's called Parenting Your Highly Sensitive Child. And so I can provide to provide you with the link so they can go on there. But it's it's definitely specific actionable things you can bring into your house if you think your child might be highly sensitive. And even if they're not, what's good for the highly sensitive child is good for everyone is what um, Elaine says. So that's what, that's a really, I love the little quote. But, but yeah, so I have that in case you think you want to look more into tools.
0: Awesome, for, for sure. That. Okay, so We will definitely have links to those in the show notes. So you can follow Adrienne on Instagram. We'll have links to her website where you can download this uh, video and check it out as well. And I will definitely be heading there uh, right after we hit stop recording to check it out and watch it (laughs) myself. I'm excited for that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, but my favorite way to end every show is with three rapid fire questions. And so the first one is what does clutter free mean to you?
1: I was thinking about this and I think it's a feeling I get when I'm in my my house. If I feel relaxed, then that means there's less clutter.
0: Yeah. Oh, yes. Love it. Feel that too. <laughs> Number two, what's one thing that you want to make sure listeners take away from today's episode? If There's one piece that they kind of just hit at home at the end where you're like, okay, I just want to make sure people definitely get this part.
1: There's no real right or wrong when it comes to mm-hmm. helping your kids with chores or getting them involved with it. I really want these the parents that are listening to know that they can be inconsistent. They can experiment. They can not do something one day and do something different the other. They can change their mind and they can still be successful. Really does not have to look a certain way for everyone 100%. You have the combination of kids and personalities and your own personality and your, your spouse or your partner's personality. It really is all about giving yourself a lot of grace and just stepping back in and experimenting again.
0: Hmm, I feel that one, that is wonderful. Thank you, that's great advice. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then the third one, what is making you happy right now or in this season of your life?
1: I am going to start playing soccer as an adult in an adult league outside. It's my first time playing as an adult and I'm 44. So <laughs> I'm scared and excited, but it's making me super happy. I've been coaching my daughter for years and I realized the happiest I am is when I coach her. And I was like, why don't I just start playing? And that's where we're going. My first game is Sunday.
0: Oh, my gosh. I love that. Congratulations. Good luck in Wish your me game. Lots of luck. Yes, yeah, for sure. <laughs> lots of luck. Um, so did you play growing up? Yeah. Okay. Uh, like through high school, college or just as a child? Yeah, just just through high school. I wasn't like I okay. was some sort of soccer,
1: you know, phenomenon. I just really enjoy it. Like it's just super fun for me and this team is going to be very casual and it's all, you know, my level of people and I'm just like so excited to be able to play again.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that you're taking the time for yourself to do that. I've been looking into something similar. I'm yeah, that's just so great. Not soccer. I definitely did never play soccer. But you know, other avenues where I can get back to things that I used to really enjoy when I was younger. And, and I feel like I'm at a stage also, I'm 43. So I feel like I'm also at this stage where I've given a lot of myself over the last decade. And it's time to kind of pour back into my cup so i'm pretty yeah around this too, time so. i feel like
1: i love that yeah i feel like around this age we're like and now i want to do
0: all the things <laughs> yeah i'm ready i'm ready again yeah. take a breath not so uh yeah i'm not <laughs> waiting no there's no there's no time like the present for sure well thanks for the inspiration you're gonna encourage me also to kind of really look more uh thoroughly into that and get get that ball awesome. rolling so awesome yay Well, thank you, Adrian, so much for today. Uh, This is wonderful. I'm so happy we connected, and I hope you have a wonderful day.
3: Thank you so much, Shannon. Thank you.
0: Well, that took a different turn than I expected, and I loved every minute of it. What I thought would be a simple conversation about chores and getting your kids to help more around the house went so much deeper. There is a lot for me to chew on after this episode. But I would love to hear your thoughts on what we talked about today. Do you have any favorite parts? What Did you have any big takeaways? I would absolutely love to hear about it. So you can comment on this post on Instagram or you can send me a DM. I'm at free on the social channels. Or you can leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts. You can leave a comment on Spotify or you can leave a comment on YouTube as well or you can come on over to the Wannabe Minimalist family group on Facebook and share with the community. There will be a discussion thread for this episode, and we would love to chat with you in the comments. And thanks again to Adrienne for joining us on the show today, sharing about her journey, and giving us some amazing tips to try in our home with our own children. Remember, you can get more detailed show notes by heading over to wannabeclutterfree.com slash Again, that's wannabeclutterfree.com forward slash the number 173 to find out more about Adrienne and get access to her resources. And as always, thank you again for joining me today too. With that, I hope you have an amazing day and I will see you back here next week for another guest episode. I will be chatting with Allie Williams about our finances. She has some amazing information to share about spending money in line with our values so that we can alleviate our guilt that might be associated with money. As an underbuyer, I was so excited to chat with her and she did not disappoint. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it. Until next time, take care, think clutter free, and remember, I believe in you. I'm Deanna Yates and you've been listening to Wanna Be Clutter Free. I'll see you next week. Cheers.